We were uh, looking at the, uh, the Gospel of John, chapters 13 to uh, 16. And, uh, you know, it's that, it's that uh, moment uh, that we call the Last Supper. And, uh, um, and uh, it, in uh, the other Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, the Last Supper really is uh, a, uh, for the most part, the record of, uh, of Jesus uh, speaking about the value of the bread and the wine and what it represents and for us to remember that. And uh, I feel like that light is really, really cool. You're working on it. Doesn't it look cool, like me flashing all the time? That's my aura. Um, I guess, oh, amen. Um, so, uh, what we were talking about, though, was uh, Jesus' famous last words from uh, John 13 to 16, because John is really the only one who records the rest of the conversation that evening around the table. And the uh, fir first thing that John mentions as he opens this, uh, this whole uh, record of Jesus' conversation that night, he says that Jesus wanted to show his disciples and, uh, and us the full extent of his love. And uh, I mentioned last week, and I'm going to mention it again. If, you, if you're not a believer, and, uh, and you're here this morning, um, you know, th this book, this book of John within, within uh, the record, within the Bible, uh, is really a great place to start. It really is awesome. Uh, it, it really, John does a, a great job of describing just who God is, who Jesus is, and uh, it's such a wonderful place to start. So start there. And, uh, and uh, chapter 13 to 16 is a great place to start if you want, if you only want to read four chapters. Now, this would be my brother taking care of me. Thank you. <laughs> and <laughs> do you want to know who your friends are? So, um, no distraction here whatsoever. Uh, so I'm up here preaching. Uh, uh, my name is Mark Brown. For those of you who have no idea who I am, uh, John put a bunch of names in a hat and he pulled my name out. Sort of. Um, I've been uh, attending Grace here for over 30 years. And uh, so now I'm up here with an opportunity to share uh, what I believe Jesus uh, spoke about to his disciples that night, and really through them, uh, spoke about to us. Um, and, uh, you know, once again, I, I, uh, I, I think of, of uh, you sitting there, some of you, believers, some of you, maybe, maybe not, uh, but you really need to test everything that gets said, and what, you know, te test this and see if it works, see if it's true or not. Anyhow, let's begin. We're going to begin with where we started last week, uh, just a bit of a review. We spoke about humility, and uh, Jesus was washing the disciples' feet, and, uh, and as he was washing them, uh, we recognized the deep, rich humility of Jesus, God, in human form, on his knees, washing dirty, stinky feet. And it's not that kind of, ah, shucks, kind of humbleness. No, this is deep, rich humility, God, honest knees, washing dirty, stinky feet. That's the kind of humility that he wanted to show us, to demonstrate to us. 
And I suggested that every good thing begins with humility. And how can you build great relationships without humility? I could even go further and say, how could you do anything successfully without beginning with humility? You know, that, that deep desire to be better. It, it only comes through humility. And, and I, uh, I, 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 uh, I just think that you, you need to test that, as I said. Uh, as I shared this thought with my wife, she said, uh, well, there's one thing for sure. She said, now, having a baby, greatest thing ever, right? Doesn't take humility. So I guess my premise uh, isn't perfect. And, uh, of course, it's always up to a wife to uh, make sure that you husbands know you are not perfect. Then Jesus, Jesus spoke, uh, and he spoke specifically to Peter about forgiveness. And uh, I suggest that that forgiveness must be preceded by humility, both in the giving and in the receiving of forgiveness. And I think once Jesus planted these thoughts in their minds and in their hearts of humility and forgiveness, he kind of has them where he wants them so that he can begin to talk to them about love. Now, the question came up for me last week as to love who? Because Jesus said the, 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 his command was to love God and love your neighbor. And here in John, Jesus says, love one another, love your friends, and love each other. Is that who we are supposed to love, our friends, our, our, our family? And, uh, and, I, and I, it immediately kind of took me to Matthew 25. And in Matthew 25, Jesus talks about giving a cup of cold water or a cup of water, some food, some clothing, be a visitor. And uh, did he suggest that it was for uh, your friend, your, uh, your uh, uh, one another or, or uh, your neighbor? Um, no. He actually said, whenever you do that, whenever you lay love on the least of these, you've done it to me. So who's my neighbor? The least of these. And whatever that means to you, but the least of these. Now, Sandy set me straight again. She said, if you really want to talk about who the neighbor is, go to the, the story of the Good Samaritan. Uh, Jesus is tested by a, uh, uh, some expert in the law. Uh, and uh, that expert in the law asked Jesus a question, and that was, so... Uh, how should, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And uh, Jesus' response was a question. Well, what do you think it is? And uh, the expert in the law said, well, it's to love God and love your neighbor. And, uh, and Jesus said, well, that's a good answer. In fact, he said, correct. And then he's, the, uh, the expert thought, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this one step further and I'm going to test Jesus some more. And he said, but who's my neighbor? The question that I had last week was, who's my neighbor? And, uh, and, and, and that's exactly the question that the expert did. And, and Jesus gave him a little bit more than a question in, in answer. He said, uh, he gave him the story of the Good Samaritan. Now, most of us know the story of the Good Samaritan. And uh, I'm not going to read it all, but, uh, you know, there was a priest, a Levite, 
and a Samaritan. And uh, sounds like a joke, but it's not. Um, I'm going to use it this way. There was a pastor, a worship leader, sorry, John and Kathy, and the town drunk. Now, really, the town drunk? But to the, to the Jews, a Samaritan was nothing more than the lowest of low. And we might think of the town drunk that way. So, the story goes, the pastor, or sorry, the, uh, there's a guy going over to Kitchener. On his way to Kitchener, some thief stops him, beats the out of him, and, and leaves him to dead. Leaves him for dead. And, sorry, but the pastor and the worship leader on their way to Kitchener go right on by, but the town drunk, guess what he does? He stops. Helps him out. Takes him to the hospital. And uh, helps in the, uh, in the survival of this, uh, of this person that was waylaid. And uh, so Jesus asked the, ex- the expert, so who was the neighbor? So in short, and that was a bit of a long answer to the question, but in short, um, you know, if we really want to know who to love, love the least of these. A little picture uh, came to my mind as I was uh, preparing here, and uh, it was a picture of my friend Bobby. Uh, we were in downtown Toronto uh, one winter night when Bobby stops and he gets down on his knees next to a guy laying on a grate, warming himself. He pulled five bucks from his pocket, gave it to the man, then he gave him his pen which says, Jesus loves you or Jesus loves me. And, uh, and then he then he uh, gave the guy a little hug, and he said, I love you, man, and God bless. That's the picture of who we should love and how we should love. So loving God and loving others is, is, a, is, a, is our Christian life, our life, uh, that simple? How easy is it really? You know, in, in, uh, in the last verse of John 16, Jesus gives us a promise and uh, that promise includes, in this world, you will have trouble. So maybe it's not that simple. Before finishing off today, I'll give you the rest of the promise in that, in that uh, verse 33. But of course, the Christian life is easy, right? Try it. Try it this afternoon. Try it tomorrow morning when you get out of bed and you're going to start your day. Try it uh, during the day as you go through work. So here's what you should try. Begin every interaction with deep, rich humility. Starts to get tough, even there. Then ensure that in that relationship that you are having deep, rich humility and requires no forgiveness. And if forgiveness is required, deliver it. Forgive. And then we can simply love with the kind of love that Jesus wants us to love with in our every word, in our every action, in our every reaction. So how easy is the Christian life? But I think you get the idea. So Jesus knew that the teachings that he was going to leave with his disciples and eventually with us were maybe not that easy. But uh, let's go into uh, the next uh, lessons from that evening. He, he actually repeated this lesson five times, or this information, if you will, five times. 
If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Now remember, he's repeating this over and over to a bunch of guys, so they'll remember it. <laughs> he says, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, this is 1426, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. 1526, when the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. 167. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come. But if I go, I'll send him to you. And by the way, he will convict the world of sin. And 1612. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Jesus knew that this wasn't easy. This following of him, this following of his command was not easy. So he promised to send an advocate or the Holy Spirit. Why? I would suggest that Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit to help us to succeed in following him. To make that job of humility easier. To make that job of forgiveness, which is really tough for all of us a little bit easier. Jesus didn't just send the Holy Spirit for his 12 disciples. He sent the Holy Spirit to all of us, imperfect me, and sorry, but imperfect you. I read in the Amplified version, if you, if you don't read from different versions, do, because it's really awesome to get the whole picture sometimes when you read from different versions, but I read from the Amplified version that, that first um, verse that I read to you in John 14, 16. It says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby. And then I read it in the Passion Translation, and it adds, and it, it, it says that uh, the word here is parakletos. I asked John how to say that. He said, just say it with confidence, and they'll believe that you know what you're talking about. <laughs> Thanks, John. So I guess I had more encouragement this morning than I remembered. Um, and, and it is translated, as the Passion Translation suggests, as defense attorney. One called to stand next to you as helper. And then it continues on with all of those words that describes the Holy Spirit from the uh, Amplified Version. And then it speaks to Savior. One who protects, defends, and saves and saves us from ourselves and from our enemies and keeps us whole and healed. That's the promise that Jesus gave to those disciples that morning, or that, sorry, that evening. Five times he talked about the coming of the Holy Spirit. So, why? Once again, you know, was it so that we could have a simple and easy life? Um, and I, I think that Jesus sent us the Holy Spirit so that we could love with his kind of love. So that we could be what? We could be comforters. We could be counselors. 
We can be helpers. We can be intercessors. We could be advocates, strengtheners, and someone who will stand by those that Jesus puts in our path, wherever that path leads us. I uh, just uh, moving on. Well, I wanted to uh, I, I wanted to pass over the gardener, uh, or sorry, the, the vineyard, the story of the vineyard. But it's really tough to go through those four chapters of John and and not stop at the vineyard. And uh, you know, I, I always think when I think of the vineyard, if, if you don't know the story, you know, Jesus talks about being the vine, and uh, um, and I always think of Jesus as the vine and God's the God's the nourishment. He's the sun, the, the soil, the, the water. And, and, uh, but Jesus actually says here that Jesus said that his father is the gardener. Now, picture God, the gardener. He's the active one in the picture. And, and what does a farmer do? What does a farmer want? A farmer he wants that every part of the vine, every branch, I actually looked up the things that make up a vine, and it says every branch, every offshoot, every flower cluster, every grape, not only survives, but thrives. God oversees a very com complex human life in you and me, and how that life fits in with everybody else. And you know what? as the farmer in our life, he will do everything he can to help us not only survive, but thrive. He knows our, the every nuance, and he works in our lives, and he works diligently to ensure that he doesn't lose one little bud. Then Jesus says, remain in me, the vine, as apart from him, we're fruitless. Of course, the first response to that might be that I love that. You, know, you saw my aura again? That's the Holy Spirit, right, John? Yeah. Okay, sorry. Um, he didn't look up at me. He just kind of ignored me. Um, you know, what about, what about all those nice people out there that just don't follow Jesus? Are they in the vine or out of the vine? And, I, and I, I thought, you know, take a moment and think about what this farmer wants. What does this farmer want? What kind of fruit? You know, a life led by deep and rich humility. A life that is active in receiving and the giving of forgiveness. A life that is an active participant in what the farmer has for the rest of the vine an active life in loving with the kind of love that, lo that Jesus has commanded us to love with. And is that really possible without the power of the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the intercessor, the advocate, the strengthener, and someone who will stand by you? And before moving on from, the, from this story of the vine, I just want to remember one thing, and that is that uh, something that a farmer does, something that God does, is he does some pruning. <laughs> and sometimes that's not always super easy. Uh, he actively prunes, allowing us to make our mistakes, 
allowing us to screw up. But uh, we always have to remember that he wants nothing more than that little bud to survive and thrive and just wants such a positive response. There's one other message that, uh, that Jesus uh, repeated multiple times, and you're going to like this one. And it is the message of ask anything and you will get it. Great name it and claim it kinds of scripture. Okay? So listen to these ones. These are awesome. Four, this is John, this is from the Bible, okay? John 14, 13, and 14 in Jesus' words. For I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask me in my name. Ask me for anything and I will do it for you. 15.7, you can ask whatever you desire, and it will be done. You liking it so far? 15.16, whatever you ask of my Father, for, for my sake, I'll give it to you. Go directly to the Father and ask him for anything you desire, and he will give it to you. That's 16.23 and 16.24. Now you can ask and keep on asking, and you can be sure that you'll receive what you ask for. Awesome. Now I'm finally going to get that boat I've always wanted. But wait, I've been waiting for that boat for years. So these statements that Jesus made 2,000 years ago to his disciples really aren't applicable today. Or perhaps we should look at these words, these promises, in the context of the conversation that night. And even beyond that, maybe we should look at the context of Jesus' life and Jesus' prayers. So here are some of the prerequisites, some of the things maybe you didn't hear in those five promises of whatever you want. You know, there's some things like faith in Jesus, remaining in Jesus and remaining in his word, doing what Jesus commands, and asking in Jesus' name. And then the rest of the context is, what is it that we might be asking for? Do we pray for deep, rich humility? <laughs> be careful when you do. Do we pray that we would really learn how to forgive with Jesus' kind of forgiveness? Do we pray that we would love with Jesus' kind of love? to the point where we're giving up our lives for the good of others, and not just the good of our friends, but the good of the least of these. Are we praying that our lives would be bent into the leading of the Holy Spirit? I suspect at this point you probably know that I would stop praying for that boat. Now, I do want to say that I will keep asking, though. One more thing we need to consider in our prayers is just how Jesus taught us to pray and how Jesus prayed himself. So the first uh, part comes from uh, Matthew 6, um, where Jesus taught us the Lord's Prayer. And here's a couple of points. I won't go through the whole thing, but a couple of highlights. It says, uh, Jesus said, pray that God, your will, be done in my life. 
And then he also said that, uh, you know, you should pray that God would forgive you with the same kind of forgiveness that you offer to others. And the second part I wanted to draw out was just how did Jesus pray? I spoke a few weeks ago from John 17, which is Jesus' prayer following that Last Supper. I'm going to take the, uh, some notes from Luke's record of those prayers uh, because Luke pulls out this very personal part. And that personal part is, at the end of it all, God, my Father, not my will, not my will, but yours be done. So Jesus taught us how to live. In fact, he didn't just teach us, he commanded us how to live. He taught us how to pray and he showed us how to pray by his own prayers. Now, should we stop praying and just say, God, your will be done? Should we be passive in this? Not at all. I believe that God answers our prayers. And Jesus said five times, ask, 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 ask. And there'll be many times that we'll be disappointed and we'll be hurt and we'll even suffer as we uh, see our prayers in our minds go unanswered. I was talking with this about my son, um, who happened to show up this morning, just to uh, hear me talk about him, maybe. No, no. Um, I was talking this about my son, and he said, but Dad, what about the mom of the two-year-old who's dying of cancer? What about her, Dad? And... Uh, I mean, obviously, it brings a stop to everything. And I, and I have a feeling it, it even, as we pray, gives God pause. And my only answer to my son was, and this, this is pretty tough, a pretty tough question, and not one I think that I, I feel equipped to answer, but, but my only answer was, you know, I believe that we're active participants in the plan the magnificent plan that God has for our lives and all the lives around us. And if you remember last week, Jesus, God gave Jesus all the power, all the power, every bit of power to change God's plans that night. And he was even praying and asking God to change the plans that night. But Jesus submitted in deep, rich humility, and prayed, not my will, but yours, Father, be done. In this world, we will have trouble. In this world. There's an awful lot you could do in talking about that. But I'm going to close. Uh, and I'm going to close with the promises that Jesus made that night. And he started by saying, or, or Jesus, at least John recorded, that he was going to show us the full extent of his love in 13.2. After washing the disciples' feet, he said in 13.17, now that you know these things, rich humility and forgiveness, mine for you and you, yours for others, you will experience a life full of happiness and rich with untold blessings. In 1335, he said, all men will know that you are my disciples. We sure want to be known that way, if you love one another. 
One I didn't mention, but it's certainly worth mentioning. And this is from 13, sorry, from 14.3. I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'll come back to take you to be with me. Don't forget those multiple times he said that we'll get what we ask for. And, he, and also, don't forget his promise, his multiple promises of the advocate, the comforter, the helper, the intercessor, the strengthener and standby who will remain with us forever. Then Jesus promised us peace. He said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid in 1427. In 1515, he says, you will be fruit bearers if we remain firmly attached to him. And then in 1511, he says that he will give us joy and our joy will be complete. And what's the cost? Follow my command. What a terrible cost. Love one another to have the joy that will be complete. And here's the last promise he gave that night, the last verse. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. But then he concludes with, in this world you will have trouble. But here's the rest of that promise. But take heart because I have overcome the world. Once more, on that list, last night, here's some teaching points, at least the ones that I pulled out. Deep, rich humility. Amazing forgiveness. His for you and yours and mine for others. A love that gives and gives until it hurts and then gives some more. And Sandy, my wife, said, you know, you give and you give and sometimes you feel like you're the only one giving. But what peace comes over you when you are powered to keep on giving? Know that you don't have to do this on your own because there is a comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and someone who, stand, who will stand by you. Oh, pray, 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 pray and pray some more. Always keep in mind the picture of God the farmer. Work in your life, not always easy, but uh, it's all worth it because he doesn't want to lose one little bit. <laughs> and uh, walking with Jesus means that there will be some trouble, but he also promises peace, joy, and a life full of happiness, enriched with untold blessings. Let's pray. Father, always help us to pray. <laughs> help us with our faith. Help us with that deep, rich humility. Help us to forgive with the same forgiveness that you forgive us. Help us to love with your kind of love. And thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. Help us to listen to him. Thank you for Jesus who is our friend and is looking forward one day 
to welcoming us to be with him. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen. He is faithful. Let's